Okay, so we are learning Mishnah's um, Rosh Hashanah, Perak Dalid, and we're up to Mishnah Vav, very close to the end of the Masech. We're learning Lilim Nishmas, Tzirulei Bashalom Shachna, Tzirulei Bashalom Shachna, Tzirulei Bashalom Shachna, and Shlomo Ben Baruch Bendit, Halevi, and Rufua Shalema Yael Yora Bas Sara. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, two other people will will, will mention their names later. Um, we don't have less than we don't see less than ten psukim having to do with malchios. Measara zichronos, measara shofros. We don't have we don't have less than ten psukim relating to malchios, which what we mentioned last week that as we know in the structure of Rosh Hashanah davening, we blow shofar revolving around. The Malchios, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, is the king of the world. We acknowledge him as such, and that's the chief mission of the Jewish people on Rosh Hashanah. So we have 10 psukim concerning Malchios, 10 psukim concerning Zichronos. Zichronos referred to, we ask Hashem on Rosh Hashanah, that the good things that Hashem remembers about the world, the Jewish people, should come up to Hashem and should be um, a, a merit for us. We have Sarah Shofras and from Ten expressions of shofras. We are in Perik Dalid Mishnah Vav. I got it. Okay, Rabbi Yochanan Manuri Yom Rabbi Yochanan says, "Imamar Shalosh Shalosh Mikulan Yatsa." Even though the Tanakhama said, the first Tanah said that you're supposed to have, um, um, uh, you know, Asara Malchus Shofrasin, which means. Three psukim of Torah, three psukim of Ksuvim, three psukim of Levi. It's not really ten, it's really nine, because we're just rounding it. So in each one of, if you'll notice, when you go through Rosh Hashanah, davening, um, you'll see in, in Musaf, you'll see that there are three psukim concerning Malchios and, and uh, from, the, from the Torah, three concerning from Ksuvim, and three concerning uh, Malchios from the Vim, and the same thing is true of Zechronis and Shofros. But Rabbi Yochanan says, if all you did was three, 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 three yotz, which means one pasik from Torah, Nevi'im, and Ksuvim each, from Malchios, Chronos, and Shovros, it's also okay. Ein maskirin, okay? Ein maskirin, Zichron, Malchios, Vishover, Shel Peranios. We don't mention anything having to do with Malchios and Shovros. We don't mention anything to do with something which is which is bad. Um, so uh, there are certain psukim having to do with, with Navi, which were not favorable to uh, Klal Yisrael. We don't mention that within Davening. We mention nothing which is not favorable to Klal Yisrael in Davening. Matchil um, B'Torah, the first set of psukim that we say, whether it's three psukim like the Tanakhama or Bidiyavid, one pasik, if you have no choice, one pasik, according to Yochem and Nuri, but the first pasuk that you're going to begin with is going to be with the Torah, pasuk of Torah. Umashlem, and you end off be navi. So sandwiched in between is ksuvim. But um, but uh, Torah and is first, and navi is second, and ksuvim is third. Ksuvim will be like Tehillim. Rabbi Yossi Omer, if you are mashlem b'Torah, um, then, then, uh, then it's okay. Or even if you're Marshall and Banavi, according to Yossi, 
uh, it really he holds that you should begin with the Torah and end with Navi, but um, but uh, but if you do um, end up with Torah, or if you end up with Navi also, then you are you are Yotze. Okay. Ha'overl of Neateva. Overl of Neateva is a euphemism. Ha'over um, means passes. In front of Lefneateva means the box. We call it in Yiddish Davrin Faren Amid, which means what we call an Amud. When the Shliach Tzibur gets up to Davin, right. they called a Teva. Okay. So a person who Davins, B'yamtov shall Rosh Hashanah. B'yamtov Rosh Hashanah. Hasheni Matkia. Now, what does that mean, Hasheni? Hasheni is that by Davin, there are two sections. There's Shachris and there is Musaf. So Hasheni refers to the one who davens Musaf. Maskia refers to um, blowing shofar. means the, the one who davens for the Amun is not really supposed to blow shofar himself, but he's supposed to... Uh, um, uh, either it means that the Shlich Tzibur himself says what to blow, Tkia, Shvarim, Tkia, or um, he tells... Or he means during his time when he is davening, somebody else does that. But the, the point the mission is trying to make is, when is shofar being blown? When is shofar being sounded during davening? So the mission says shofar is sounded like we do today during Musaf. Now really, um, it shouldn't be that way. The fact is that shofar should really be sounded in the very beginning of the day. When you come to shul, you have you know, davening at 8 o'clock, so it should be shofar is at 8 o'clock. Then you move onwards with shachris and with musa. That's what it should be. Shofar is a positive Torah-based commandment. We try not to push off any commandments at all. So we try and do it as early as possible. So why is it, you should wonder, you should wonder why is it that shofar is during musa when really shofar should be during shachris? Because no, one's in, because no one's in shul. <laughs> yes. <laughs> On the other hand, um, if you would make it at, at eight in the morning, then folks would be there really quickly. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe I mean you know I, I remember my mother growing up. It was always the rush on Rosh Hashanah. Make sure you're there before show for blowing. <laughs> right, or somebody else said because you can't have kiddush that early in the morning. Ah, okay. <laughs> you know, schnapps doesn't taste good at you know seven thirty in the morning. <laughs> so. Um, but the, the truth of the matter is that it used to be like that, that shofar was blown first thing in the morning. However, um, when, uh, when, when, when Klyasol was dominated by opposing nations, so they were scared that we were going to war. They were scared that we were rebelling against them. And as such, they, uh, in, in those days, when you would, uh, maybe even today too, when you would go to war, they would sound battle trumpets. Right. And that's what they, that's what they did. So the battle trumpet sounded very much like a chauffeur. So um, the, the non-Jews thought that we were gathering our people together to rebel against their domination. So it happened that they came against us and they attacked us while we were simply blowing chauffeur and shul and doing nothing else. So Chazal made a decree that you shouldn't blow shofar early in the morning, wait. And already six hours into the day, um, nobody's going to war at midday 
too hot. And if you're going to wage a campaign, you can do it early in the morning when people don't see you as much. Why is it not switched back in modern day since that concern no longer really exists? Yes, that is a good question. I'm not sure fully of the answer to that, but I do know what it says. Once we started doing it this way, we continue. Why isn't it switched back? I'm not 100% sure. That's the way it is. Good. Therefore, um, we blow shofar. It says Ashani, the second one. During Musaf uh, is when we blow shofar. Because at that time, like we said, at six, at six hours into the day, um, the, the oppressing nations said, listen, it's just part of their, their davening. They're not gathering anybody to, uh, to, to fight us. Over Shasa Halel, what about Halel? Rishon, Makre, Esa Halel. The first one is Makre, Esa Halel, meaning that Shasa Halel refers to Yomim Tovim other than Rosh Hashanah. We don't say Halel on Rosh Hashanah or Yom Kippur because those are days of judgment. We don't say Halel when Hashem is sitting in judgment upon us. But Bishasa uh, Halel, when we are going to be saying Halel, we say Halel in the morning. And by Shacharis, we don't say Halel in the afternoon. So that's the end of this Mishnah, that Musaf. It's, it's an historical Mishnah in the sense that Rosh Hashanah used to, Shavu used to be blown in Rosh Hashanah in the morning, but not any longer, unfortunately. And uh, But as far as Halel is concerned, Halel is the standard of Halel is to be blown, is to be said during Shacharis. Let's take a look at another Mishnah. Um, this is um, be, because of this Mishnah, there is, there's a, a number of things which are thrown in to this Mishnah, the next one as well. Let's take a look. Shofar is Rosh Hashanah. The Shofar is Rosh Hashanah. Ain mavirin alav es hatchum. You don't go past the tchum Shabbos and Yom to get the shofar. Let me explain what this means. Um, there is such a thing called Tchum, Shabbos, and Yom Tov, which means that uh, it's a discussion in the in the uh, earlier commentaries, discussion in the Gemara, actually, it's Machlokas, in the Tanoim, whether Tchum, Shabbos is rabbinic in origin or is Torah-based. So um, it's like this. Tchum, Shabbos is a certain amount of... of, uh, of, of, of a certain area in which a person is allowed to walk past a settled city on Shabbos. It's easy to describe if the city has a wall. Let's say you have a walled city, and it's in the middle of nowhere. So um, around it are fields. That's the way that's the way it was. So you were given 2,000 amos. An amma, according to Moshe Feinstein, is 21 inches, about one and three quarters feet. So you could do the math, and you were given two uh, two thousand amos outside of the walled city in which to walk. Further than that, and you transgressed an avera. There are ways that a person could walk um, further, even further than that. We're not getting into uh, into that now. But if you walk more than two thousand amos outside the walls of the city, then, or if it's not a walled city, but there's a, an end to the city, the last house, houses. Then, if you walk past there, you are transgressing an Avera. Now, um, a lot of uh, commentaries hold that, like I said before, that it's only uh, rabbinic, Pascha, now it's only rabbinic, but some of the commentaries make a distinction. 
the Rambam and the Raivet make a distinction. And they say this, that there are actually two aspects to Tchum Shabbos. Um, there's a Tchum Shabbos according to the Torah, and there's a Tchum Shabbos rabbinically. So the Tchum Shabbos according to the Torah is, is, um, is 12 mil. Is, uh, it's, it's, it's a long distance. It's like, um, I don't know how much that is, but it's like 12 kilometers. And um, the Tchum Shabbos rabbinically is 2,000 amos. Is, uh, two th- that, that, uh, 2,000 amos, uh, which is much shorter. So if you transgress the 2,000 amos, but you don't go to the Torah-based perimeter, then you, uh, you transgress a rabbinic commandment, but you don't tra- transgress a Torah-based commandment. Now, what happens if in your city there is no chauffeur, whatever the case may be? Okay? Mm-hmm. In order to get one, you got to go outside the Tchum Shabbos, outside of the perimeter of the city. Are you allowed to do that or not? So, the Mishnah tells us um, that you're not allowed to go out. Um, even the 2,000 Amos, you can't go out. Shofar Shorosh Hashanah, you don't go outside of the Tchum Shabbos in order to, um, in order to uh, bring a shofar. The Eim Mefakchin Alav Esagal. You don't um, um, uncover. A gal means like a pile, like um, there's a pile of stones which are muks on Shabbos. You're not allowed to uh, remove them on Shabbos. And let's say you have one shofar in the city, and, um, and and all it is, and it's underneath a pile of stones that fell on it. And stones are muksamachmasgufa. They're forbidden to pick them up and move them on Shabbos. So even for the sake of shofar, which is rabbin, which is the Torah based, to remove stones or the Tchum Shabbos, to go past the Tchum Shabbos, even the rabbinic Tchum Shabbos, um, even though it's only rabbinic, but to uh, not to have. Uh, not to have a chauffeur, not to blow chauffeur is Torah based, you're still not allowed. The rabbis have the right to make a decree, and they did this often, in what's called Sheval Taisa, meaning the rabbinical decrees can never can never straight out oppose what the Torah says. Meaning if the Torah will tell us you must do something, right? Or you, you're not allowed to do something, the rabbis are not allowed to say you could do something. The Torah uh, says you're not allowed to eat uh, treif. The rabbis cannot say, no, you are allowed to eat treif. That would be forbidden. You'll never find the rabbinic decree doing a thing like that. However, uh, the rabbis do have the right to say Sheval Taisa, meaning don't do something rabbinically, and therefore you're not um, straight out, forwardly transgressing a Torah-based commandment. You're just um, passively uh, transgressing a Torah-based commandment. They're allowed to do that in order to strengthen certain rabbinic decrees, which they understood to be necessary for Jewish society. This is all discussed in the 10th chapter of Yuvamos. Now, Velo Rochvin on Gabi Behema. You're not allowed to um, um, ride on an animal. Riding on an animal, you're not allowed to do on Shabbos or Yom Tov anyway. You can't do that. It's only rabbinic because there's a decree that you might end up taking a, um, a switch, a, um, like, a, like, a, like, a, like a rod. You might cut off a rod a twig, and use it as a switch to spur the animal. You can't do that. And you're not allowed to go swimming or rafting in the water. You can't go swimming in order to to um, 
to um, to uh, to try and find yourself a shofar. The ain't also, and you're not allowed to cut it down to a proper size. Um, uh, I'm sorry, you're not allowed to do that, whether it is something that is forbidden according to the Torah or forbidden only rabbinically. If you cut something on Shabbos to size, it's forbidden according to the Torah. But it depends how you cut it. If you cut it with something which is made to cut with, this item made to cut with, it's forbidden according to the Torah. If you cut it otherwise, in a strange kind of a way, then that would be forbidden rabbinically. You can't, neither can either tra- transgress a rabbinic commandment, certainly not a Torah-based commandment, to shape your shofar on Shab, on, on Yom Tov. Avol, emrod salitim l'tochomayim, oyayin yitem. What happens if you want to clean it out and you want to put in there water or you want to put in there a wine, you're allowed to do that. Even though there is a prohibition, rabbinic prohibition called metakein money, which means you're not allowed to fix certain things. There's a, there's a Torah-based tikkun money. You're not allowed to fix things on Shabbos or on Yom Tov. Um, you're not allowed to, like, um, like if something's broken, let's say your glasses are misshapen and you want to um, shape them into its proper shape, uh, then certainly with a professional, that'll be forbidden according to the Torah. Rabbinically, there are other uh, things you're not allowed to do. So, um, you, uh, uh, so even though what I'm doing is I'm getting a more pleasant sound out of the shofar, I might think that it falls into the rubric of fixing the shofar on Yom Tov. It's not a problem. It's permissible to do. Water or wine. Um, so, you want to put in water or wine, eat it, it's okay. You don't stop um, children from blowing shofar. Uh, even though you're not really supposed to blow shofar, you don't need to blow shofar on Yom Tov because you know, there's something called mashmiya kol. You're not supposed to um, uh, uh, cause things. You're not supposed to blow instruments on Shabbos. But for children who want to learn how to blow shofar, then it's okay. Um, you're allowed to let them blow shofar on Shabbos. You're even allowed to work with them until they learn how to uh, blow shofar. Meaning you can tell them, no, this is wrong, blow it like this, blow it like that. Um, so you're allowed to do that. And however, somebody who is misasek, which means that he is just teaching a child uh, how to blow shofar, blow yatsa. It does not complete have the commandment, fulfill the commandment, because your intention was not to blow for the purpose of a mitzvah, was only to blow for uh, for teaching purposes. In which case, it, it doesn't count. If somebody hears from somebody uh, a shofar from somebody who's not blowing it in order to be yotze the mitzvah of shofar to fulfill the commandment of shofar, he's simply blowing it in order to teach somebody else, a kid or an adult, how to blow, then you don't, you are not Yotza Shofar. Even if a person is trying to get out a few practice sounds before he blows the Shofar, I'm not saying he should do that, but if he, want, if he did do that, then the other person who was listening does not fulfill his commandment of, of blowing Shofar because the person who is blowing has to have in mind to fulfill the commandment of of, of, of uh of, of causing the chauffeur to be heard by others and the one who is 
listening to the shofar has to have in mind to fulfill the commandment of listening to the sound of the shofar. Okay, we'll stop here. And I mentioned we'll continue next week. I'll send around the recording.